Welcome to the Meta Woman Podcast. We address the issues, opportunities, and challenges facing women in the development of the metaverse, the biggest revolution since the internet itself. Every week, we bring you conversations with top female talent and business executives operating in the gaming and crypto industries. Here's your host, Lindsay the Boss Poss. The Meta Woman Podcast starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Meta Woman Podcast, part of the Holodeck Media Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lindsay the Boss Poss, and from Struggle to Success, we're covering it all. For returning listeners, thank you so much for supporting the show. Can't tell you how much your messages mean to me. Plus, I'm just, you know, one lady out here doing her best in the world. And for all of our new listeners, welcome. I hope you enjoy. I have such a wonderful guest this week. This is someone who I just recently got to know, and I just, I just had so much fun having conversations uh, with this person. It's been so great. Uh, I have Becky Taylor, marketing and business development consultant. Becky, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. For those of you who don't know, I was also late to our recording, and Becky was incredibly patient with me, so thank you for that. Um, if you could just give the audience a couple sentences of background, a little bit about yourself, and a, you know, the Becky Taylor story, give me the good stuff. Yeah, um, I'll try to make it short, because it's never-ending. Um, <laughs> no, there's don't always try to make so it much. short, we're on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, the thing is, is, like, uh, that's always interesting, and I try to tell people is, yes, I've spent the last 10 years... Uh, more than 10 years at this point in video games, working on on mostly marketing, business development, uh, influencer marketing, kind of the whole gambit. Um, But before I joined the game industry, I was actually working in a nonprofit with at-risk youth, um, primarily as a case manager. And I got my start in marketing by helping that nonprofit. Um, And, you know, at that time I was going to college, I was originally going to school for computer science and uh, criminal justice. So pretty much computer forensics. And I ended up shifting um, and actually getting my bachelor's of science in communications media with a concentration in interactive media, which sounds long, but it's just web development. It's front end web development and like creating apps and things like that. Um, In order to graduate, I had to do an unpaid internship for six months full time and pay the school for credits. <laughs> so I applied to over 200 game studios. And I like telling that story for the sole fact of I, of course, did not get into a single one because that's when I learned that unpaid internships are illegal in a lot of states. Um, not in Massachusetts back then, apparently. Uh, so, you know, I applied everywhere, like begging everywhere to give me a chance, like doing like creating apps and stuff with games. And uh, this little company reached out to me. I had never heard of them. They need someone for marketing uh, that knew like how to create websites and do front end web development because they were making a Facebook game. Uh, and it was the first 3D game on Facebook. So that sounded really cool. They were using Unity. And I was like, OK, back then, this is back like 12, 13 years ago now. I had never heard of Unity back then. Um, I also had never heard of this company, which was Tencent. Because um, back then, 13 years ago, <laughs> no, no one knew. Yeah, I mean, no one knew. And yes, pure luck that I end up at a company that is now pretty much the biggest gaming thing because they own, you know, they own Majority Stake or all of Epic Games at this point. Uh, you know, they own Riot Games, uh, tons of different game studios or Majority Stake in game studios. Um, so that was pretty much my start was kind of creating this Facebook game, uh, with them called robot rising. It was a super fun game. And I primarily back then was doing 
a whole mix of things and learning. And the reason I tell this uh, story is because I have never taken a class in marketing. And I've been doing it very successfully um, and learning on my own, researching, things like that. And so, you know, I after that, because they end up shutting down the Boston studio, Uh, a lot of game studios uh, end up leaving the Boston area. Um, There's still not a lot. There's a bunch of indies out there. Um, And so after that, I went to Amazon uh, as kind of a a product manager, like marketing manager, creating promotions, uh, left Amazon, worked up, ended up getting into consulting at that point. Uh, I realized at that point that I like working on a bunch of different things. So I was doing marketing, community management, influencer marketing, business development. I was helping companies such as Reboot uh, with Reboot Developer Conference in Croatia. So I was actually like mm-hmm. helping get speakers over there and everything. And I was flying out to Croatia twice a year um, and working with them. Uh, I also helped create a product called GameSite, which uh, a lot of you know uh, influencers know uh, as it's uh, in-depth twitching YouTube analytics and helping them get uh, brand mm-hmm. deals with different companies such as Wizards of the Coast, um, different things like that. So I was one of their you know, prime people doing the marketing, plus also the business development, reaching out to influencers, things like that. Um, after that, I went and worked at Riot Games. Um, you know, I created the, company. you know, just a little, <laughs> little place, you know, um, <laughs> <in> the radar. <laughs> you know, whatever, it's a small startup. Yeah, totally. With like 2000 employees just in LA alone. Um, but, you know, I, uh, I helped create the, um, the partnership program that is still used today with League of Legends and all their other games now that they have multiple games. Um, and then, you know, ended up working at some esports groups such as FaZe Clan, Luminosity Gaming. And most recently, I worked with um, a geometric uh, 3D like model company called Fizna on their consumer product called Things. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, <laughs> I'm still consulting. But uh, now I'm going back in getting my MBA, which we can talk about later on. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of different things. <laughs> That's so funny that you talk about that with marketing, because I actually had I had a similar career experience um, where I graduated with a degree in public policy and management, a lot of data analytics stuff, went to my first job where I was at a, a think tank producing a lot of economic analysis and wound up being their marketing person, <laughs> never having had an interest in marketing. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of similar in that when you find someone who understands a product and is willing to create material and help explain that product, you wind up in marketing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Whether that's, you want to or not. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's the key thing I tell students. I used to do a lot of talks at different colleges, um, such as mm-hmm. Northeastern, WPI. And I always tell them, if you want to get into marketing, you don't necessarily need a degree in marketing. What you need is the ability to understand analytics and turn that analytics into a story and tell a story about your brand and your product. Um, and you need to enjoy talking to people, which obviously mm-hmm. I hope if we're on a podcast together, we both like talking to people. And I think that the analytics, the like, you know, getting in there and talking to people and networking really helps. Well, and I think when you're passionate about you know, product and organization, the mission, whatever, or if you just understand it really well, the marketing comes a lot easier too. <laughs> I have oh, yeah. a good sort of, in, in the gaming industry, I have a good sort of kind of bridge between worlds thing going where I'm not necessarily a hardcore gamer, but I understand the gaming industry. And then I understand, you know, 
people who aren't gamers and people who are really into pop culture and sports and that kind of stuff really well because I I have a foot in both and I like to try to use that to <laughs> give a yeah. different perspective. Well, I mean, it helps creating those like target audiences and mm -hmm. like defining because, you know, you might have a product that has multiple different use cases. Um, and so being able to uh, step into the shoes of different kind of cultures or things like, you know, individuals, that really helps. Well, speaking of creating those target audiences, one thing that we've seen a lot of lately is using influencer marketing for that. And I know that We've talked previously about how your work in influencer marketing, mm -hmm. the good, the bad, the ugly, um, what you might like or dislike about it. But as you know, you've been in the marketing side of things for a while, and I think it's I think it is actually important to note that you kind of developed into it rather than taking classes and jumping into it with a purpose, because um, I do think that that gives you just a different perspective than someone who's inherently interested in advertising and jumped in that way. Um, but what have you seen in how influencer marketing has helped? Uh, sell a brand or sell a game or what is it like in the gaming industry? Have you seen it change or the things that you like and don't like about it? Love to hear some of your experience on that, that end of things. Yeah, no, influencer marketing is one of those things that is so vital to a brand. However, at the same time, it can break your brand. Um, and I think a lot of people, um, you know, by the time this podcast comes out, it might not be as relevant, but Artisan Builds recently uh, you know, to kind of just inform people real quick, they were doing, um, they are known as a PC company that builds computers. They, uh, always stream the builds of computers. So influencers or, you know, they give out these computers a lot of times they're giveaways and they're building these computers, um, on stream. So it's kind of like a mix of influencer marketing with their own brand marketing. And recently they were doing a giveaway and the CEO mid like stream on live uh, just started changing the rules of the giveaway because he didn't want to give computers to smaller influencers. Yeah, uh, which obviously um, the thing that people need to understand about influencers is you have like different types. You have large influencers like, you know, the PewDiePie of the world. Um, or, you know, <laughs> any of like lyric, things like that. You have these big ones that, you know, their their chats moving so fast, you can't even see what's happening, but they have so many views and so many people watching them. And then you have smaller ones. Now, the smaller ones I tend to view is ones that may not necessarily drive a ton of conversions. However, they have that dedicated core group that will definitely convert and they network with bunch of other influencers. So those small influencers, they tend to work together and, mm -hmm. you know, tend to communicate, tend to share. They're the ones who like really kind of get the conversation going about mm -hmm. products. And so, you know, obviously these influencers spoke up about what was going on. Um, it went viral in obviously a not so good way. And um, needless to say, as of this week, that company no longer exists. Yeah, wow, it can happen yep. so fast. <laughs> yeah, it was literally like a course of a couple of days. Now, obviously, the whole company closing down was not just because of the influencer stuff. It was also because of tax evasion things, um, supposedly. That's, yeah, I'm glad to hear Supposed. that. It would yeah. be a little sad if you could go just under destroy it quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, we have seen this many times before where influencer marketing went bad <laughs> and mm -hmm. you know it really hurt a brand 
And we've had companies rebrand, recreate, things like that. Um, you know, obviously, companies like uh, Raya and Ubisoft had, have had their fair, fair share of dramas um, and things. So, like, that's something really to keep in mind that is tough when it comes to it. And, you know, the other thing that I struggle with, um, and then I'll get into all the positives. Uh, the other thing I struggle with is, you know, we have gone to a point where influencer marketing, uh, every single company wants these influencers. So they're in high demand um, and they're going after like, you know, a lot of the big ones. So you look at, you know, say esports uh, vlogger, you know, lifestyle vloggers, things like that. And they're charging like, you know, thousands. Um, and I've definitely been there where I'm like, hey, I want 15 minutes of your time to talk about a brand. And hey, it's forty two thousand dollars. And I'm like, I am in the wrong side of this business. <laughs> That's a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, it kills me. It kills me inside when I'm like, oh, hey, can you make a Facebook post? And that cost me six grand. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. These influencers work very, very hard. That's what I was going to ask you just as a quick aside <laughs> yeah. is what percentage are at that high of a level? Because I would imagine it's kind of a small, like we're talking about. Not necessarily like, I mean, you, talk, you mentioned PewDiePie. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't know how much PewDiePie charges, but I imagine oh. it's, you know, we're talking about kind of top 100 to top 1,000, right? When we're talking about these rates or even. So, <laughs> I'd lower. say like mid to, like the mid to top level. So some of those okay. like mid level, still very expensive. Gotcha. Um, it kind of depends on like if the person has a manager or not. Because there's still definitely plenty of, um, you know, mid-sized influencers who are doing this all on their own. Um, mm -hmm. If they have a management company, the management company gets like, you know, a certain percentage and therefore right. like and they tend to kind of streamline what the prices are. Mm -hmm. um, and so which is good in some ways, because then I can automatically guess, OK, hey, this person at this company, I know that they're going to cost this amount. You know, I can guess like, hey, OK, it's going to cost, you know, a thousand dollars per YouTube video even though they're on the smaller side like bam done got it like mm -hmm. and it's a really good way to help um you know gauge what my budget should be um with the smaller influencers it's good and bad like this is this is the push and the take is um you know people who don't have managers might not be pricing themselves correctly in the sense that you know they might i might have an influencer sometimes where or this has happened plenty of times where i have an influencer that you know i give one influencer say a thousand dollars for a video uh i find another influencer of the same exact size and they're like oh yeah you can give me like 250 bucks and i'm oh, like sure. no man <laughs> like, <And> no <laughs> exactly and, and i have like side note like i have definitely like gone to influencers and been like hey man like you should probably charge like 500, you know, like for your level and like the average and stuff and like have helped them a little bit um, because I've worked both sides. You know, I've worked where I'm working at a game studio and I obviously want to save money and, you know, make my ROIs better. But then I've also worked on the other side where I'm representing influencers and I'm helping them, uh, you know, get these brand deals. So mm -hmm. I've worked both sides of the table. And so, you know, that experience has really helped me gauge. But also, like, I don't want these influencers like a lot of them burn out really quickly. There's a lot of pressure there. Some of them, it's a hobby. Some of them, this is their full time job. So, you know, I'd like to obviously help them. Um, and so to like kind of streamline into like the next part of your 
question of like, you know, there's been this big shift in like brands heavily, heavily using them. You know, something I I did a talk years ago at GDC. Um, it's actually online if you search my name, GDC Ooh, conference. I'll put it in the, yeah, I'll put it in the um, show notes for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where I talk about using influencer marketing for your indie game and why it's mm-hmm. so important. And you know, one of the biggest things was back then, and this is like God, five years ago now, if not more. Um, you know. Uh, Destructoid had announced that over 60, I think it was like over 60% of their audience uses ad blockers. And I can only imagine that's even more now. Um, you know, companies like Twitch and YouTube are heavily trying to get around ad blockers. They're trying to like integrate in the video so it doesn't, you know, get blocked, things like that. And so one of the reasons why influencer marketing uh, works so well is because you technically couldn't block it unless you just didn't watch that influencer. Um, so, you know, that was something that was really important, but also like influencer marketing just comes like, it's almost like a natural form of marketing in the sense that, uh, you know, Gen Z and millennials, you know, we look at billboards and we, we kind of tune them out. We grew up with like (laughs) our gen millennials grew up watching commercials on TV that you couldn't skip. But, yes, you know, the, we were productive during the commercial breaks, I'd like to point out. Right. It was like two minutes, 30 seconds. Get all your stuff done. Get your popcorn ready, like run back, you know, or like flip the channel and hope that you remember to flip back in time. Um, you know, <laughs> but exactly. But, you know, the so we've kind of become just numb to these things. But also those billboards, like whether they're ads online or not, don't really tell a story. Um, the current generations that are buying, say, these games or products, um, they want to be more informed. They want to know about the product before they buy it. You know, uh, with the recession and everything, you know, people are holding on to their money a little bit tighter. We've been in a recession for like, yeah, since like 2008 at this point. So forever, (laughs) like my entire adult life. Um, and so you know, it's really kind of one of those things where people want to be educated and, you know, they view influencers as almost a friend in the sense that, uh, you know, word of mouth marketing works really well, just in the same way that you'd listen to a friend say like, hey, this cleaning product really worked for me. If an influence or if like a person is watching like an influencer, I mean, cleaning was probably a bad example. You're not going to. So, I mean, maybe on Instagram, you'll watch an Instagram or like clean or something. Oh my gosh, but... I watch clean talk a lot. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Dude, TikTok, like, oh my god. I, I actually yeah. watch a lot of cleaning videos and and have bought a lot of cleaning products as a result. So yeah, cleaning I is mean, a great example as far as you're concerned. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing though, is like you're gonna watch this person, you wanna see it in action. Like you don't want to see a Photoshop billboard that is like, oh, here's my dirty sink. And then now it's magically clean. And it's like, yeah, okay, that I'm going to call BS on that one. Like, that's two different bathtubs. Like, doesn't it isn't real to us. <laughs> and because we've had so much fake advertising, like pushed into our lives. And so, you know, having these influencers, it's much more natural. But that kind of goes back to where things can go heavily wrong. Um, I personally, um, you know, tell my influencers when I'm working with games is like, hey, be honest about our game. I'd rather you be honest and say what you like and what you don't like, because honestly, that's going to sell our game better. 
Um, and I just tell them like, Hey, if you hit like a major bug, can you like, rather than rage quitting on stream, can you like email me? Like, that would be great. Like I'll help you out. But you know, I tell people to be honest and, um, a lot of companies I've found apparently, um, do not, they say like, you can only say positive things on stream. You can only say positive things on your video and we have to approve the video first. Um, which I mean, if you're getting paid fair game. That's understandable Um, in the sense of like, okay, hey, I'm paying you $4,000 to create an ad. It's literally an ad. Uh, FTC regulations, they're supposed to put that it's an ad and things Mm -hmm. like that. But, you know, it's I see a lot of companies making it so it's only positive only. And I'd rather hear, you know, I'd rather it just doesn't convert, you know. Um, I have a kind of follow up question to that because. One of the themes that's come up, and you you did talk in at, at in depth about it, but is this idea that that consumers want to be informed, um, and you gave some reasons for that, especially you know the recession, older millennials. I totally get that, but do you think that there's? I mean, social media growth has obviously changed the way we interact in so many ways, but why do you think there is an interest in? being informed because you're you're kind of not the first person I've explored that with and I've never thought about okay so we do have this shift where people want more information but why (laughs) yeah no I have like you know I have a lot of good theories on that um Mm -hmm. you know if I think we're about the same age so you probably understand where uh you know when I was in middle school and stuff if I need to write a research project I had to go to the library I had to find all the books I knew the Dewey decimal system. I used to have to pull out the little card system, find the cards, like pull it out, go find the book and everything. Um, I don't think anyone knows what I'm talking about if they're younger than 20 or younger than 30. Honestly, oh God. Have like, you seen the videos of kids asking why we call it hanging up a phone. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh man. Or what burning a CD is. I'm like, oh, my heart hurts. <laughs> I, I, I actually did have someone once ask me um, how I was holding a CD that I just burned because wouldn't it be very hot? <laughs> so and I'm like, hot. yeah, it'd be warm. <laughs> like, but it's not on fire. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not literally burning. <laughs> yeah. And so like our generation, very and older, very limited in the knowledge that was being fed to us. Very limited. Like if we wanted information about something, we had to go look up that information um, or get magazines in the mail that would like, you know, we read and like learn and stuff. But uh, our, the, you know, our generation, the younger side of millennials and um, the Gen Z, they're being fed information 24 seven. And it's, it's information overload. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're getting fed misinformation and regular information, real information, like all over the whole gambit. And so it's almost like, I wouldn't say necessarily that they want to be more informed, but they want to find real information. Um, because yeah, sure. I can go to a website and read reviews or I can go to Amazon read reviews, but you know, a lot of Amazon reviews we're finding are fake. Like they, or they give free product and it doesn't necessarily say people got free product. And obviously FTC started, tried 
more in the past five years has tried to really um, update their game in the sense of rules for influencer marketing, rules for blogs or videos for even promoted tweets. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, this is something I even was thinking about earlier today. Like they've tried to make a couple examples of game studios and find them. Um, I think EA, maybe like Warner Brothers, I think were ones who got fined in the past. But there's so many that just like it isn't enough in the sense that I have not found studios to be really scared of like, hey, the FTC is going to come find us. Yeah, I get that. Don't insure. It might might be the cost of doing business to pay a fine worth pennies to them. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, it just it's really tough for, you know, Gen Z to find what's real and what's fake. And so they're constantly looking for that natural like interaction. And that's part Mm -hmm. of why, you know, going back to I always tell influencers, tell people what you don't like, you know, and just be honest with it, though. Don't like rage quit and cause Mm -hmm. drama, please. But, you know, in the sense of like, hey, I really enjoy like the story and the art. I'm not necessarily a fan of this gameplay, et cetera. Um, Or, hey, you know, this game is really good, but I think they should update this. And, you know, we might go update that. But, you know, it's it's just one of those things with Gen Z and millennials that, you know, we trust word of mouth marketing so much more. And I think it's because of just that information overload. Well, that's it's that is a good I I haven't thought about that before. I mean, I thought about it not in the context of I've thought about the information overload, but not in the context of influencer marketing. And I feel like one of the biggest differences is advertising also used to be, when you were saying that, I was thinking this, advertising also used to be so passive. You know, you could flip by it or not read the billboard or whatever it was. And now it's like, it's actively in your face. (laughs) Right. It is not passively in your face. It's like, you can't really go through a day without even like SMS marketing. I mean, you can't. There's there's no way of interacting with the online world without being without having advertisements come to you. And it's not necessarily always like a whole frontal assault by any means, but it's also not as easy as it is to not read a billboard. Um, it's some type of in-between space where you're having to think about a lot of things and look at a lot of products and ideas all the time. <laughs> And so I mean, no wonder why when you have that one person who's kind of your, your Sherpa, yeah. you trust them. Yeah. I mean, I would love to go to a website at some point, even with the ad blockers I use, I would love to go to a website and not have it pop up telling me if I sign up for emails and then sign up for text as well that I get 10% off. <laughs> like, and I signed up for one the other day. I nearly, I nearly like, I wanted to report them to the FTC almost because I signed up for one the other day. And then within the course of three hours, they texted me 10 times. Oh, that is how and not to do it. <laughs> exactly. So it's just like, it's one of those things where we're just constantly. Oh, that's painful. And it's shoved in your face. And so, you know, obviously advertising is never going to go away. Like we need to remember that is like, yeah, obviously we're talking about a lot of negative ways people are doing advertising and how we're like being bombarded with it. But we need to remember it's never going to go away, unfortunately. I mean, it is how brands, you know, let people know about their product. But, you know, we need to, as marketing people, we need to remember that, you know, what's going on out there and, Mm -hmm. you know, how do we do it in a way that is positive for consumers? How do we do it in a way that 
makes them feel happy and like not stressed out. <laughs> yeah, I think that, yeah, because advertising really isn't all bad. I mean, if, if good products could get sold by just sitting on the shelf nicely and quietly, we wouldn't have advertising, but that's just not the reality of the world. So I am not against advertising or marketing. It is just a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you kind of see that changing as we get more into metaverse-like experiences, more into virtual worlds? and all of that what's the onslaught looking like oh my god Um, (laughs) like you know I bring this up I'd even put this in my notes when I was thinking about this podcast but you know now that I'm thinking about it uh, and I bring it up constantly is the movie Idiocracy Um, uh, which (laughs) you know younger generation if you have not watched that you need to watch it it still holds up I watched it two weeks ago Um, you know it's one of these things where uh, you know, when we have VR, we're already starting to see it with um, different events like, you know, the way of VR and Fortnite. You can go and watch concerts. You can go see celebrities and influencers. You, Justin Bieber, Travis Scott, Marshmallow have all done concerts in Fortnite. Um, and so, like, the I see that, you know, we're, we're already getting these experiences um, where people can jump in. And, you know, really experience cool stuff, which is great. You know, that's a good start. Um, One of the things when it comes to VR now is, you know, and I was I was uh, let me rewind a minute. Um, You know, I back years ago was one of the first people to even like I was at uh, Steam, like at, you know, Valve. I was at Valve Mm -hmm. and literally was playing with their prototypes of what ended up becoming the HTC Vive. You know, mm-hmm. I was at QuakeCon when John Carmack literally had like a little folding card table in the corner and had uh, the first Oculus headset. Um, and literally he had his game Rust with no clipping on and just was like, here's the Oculus headset. I definitely took it off within a minute and almost threw up. <laughs> um, and, you know, these devices, when they first came out, they were like $800, $1,200. Like it was really expensive. And, you know, you started seeing in stores these like little pop up cardboard like things that you could put your phone into. And it just was not that great of an experience. But now with like Oculus Quest 2, which is like $299, it is much more accessible to get into. They actually have things now like inserts to make it so you can actually wear your glasses while being in VR, which was not something that you could do ages ago. And it's wireless, like the fact that it's like you don't have a whole bunch of cords going to your computer is insane to me. Like, I had the first developer kit, like with HTC Vive, I had one of the first dev kits and it literally was a pile of cords. Every single time I wanted to use it, it was like a whole day's work to get it to work. Um, And it was it was messy. Um, And so now it's accessible. So I see that like now this will be the new frontier. I think the metaverse is still kind of being defined in the sense that I even before this podcast, like Googled again to make sure I was like, am I do I am I still up to date? Because I feel old every minute. Um, (laughs) Thanks, Gen Z. Right. (laughs) Right. Like, yes, I know I use TikTok, but I still don't know how to use Snapchat, you know, things like that. But, um, you know, it's it's very accessible now and that's going to help brands get in there easily and you know i think uh we can look at the past of things that happened too early um such as the first you know vr headsets but also Mm -hmm. like we can look back at second life 
um, which is a prime example of literally having a second life. You have a virtual life. Mm -hmm. Um, We can look at games such as World of Warcraft, um, where guilds and things, you brought people together, you had these avatars. And, you know, I think it's important to tell people like literally the metaverse is a very similar thing, except you're you're literally like moving your body around like you are in there. And I think that's the separation between like, say, Second Life versus what's happening with VR and AR. Um, And I think things like AR, the fact that pretty much every single phone out there at this point can handle AR technology. Um, Companies such as Thangs, um, they actually offer instant AR conversion. You upload a 3D model to Thangs, it is instantly converted into AR. You don't need to download any app to view it, uh, which is crazy to me. Like you can just literally click on a link on Thangs on a website, no apps needed, and then you're viewing it in AR. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. the accessibility is just so easy now, like the barrier to entry, you can just get into creating AR experiences, things like that. Um, and I think Snap also has been doing and Instagram, like has been doing a ton with those AR experiences. Um, and, you know, you go and look at, say, Riot Games with the League of Legends Worlds champion, uh, you know, competition that they had in Beijing. They literally had an AR experience while the concert was going on where they had a dragon come in. Like these really cool things. I remember things. that. That was yeah. That was one of the coolest things I'd ever watched in sport. And seeing it in yeah. the stadium, I was just blown away. It was so right? cool. Highly and recommend so, for everyone out there to Google the YouTube video. It's oh, yeah. awesome. It's incredible. And so you have all these things now where you can you can go into um there's some store I don't know if it's Gucci or Prada there's some like fancy store that obviously I cannot afford because I don't remember which store it was but I went into <laughs> one recently and they literally had an AR app where you could just like look over the um like the purse or whatever and it would mm-hmm. tell you all the features and tell you how much it costs and they had no price tags in the store you had to use their app thing huh. like and it was just a camera really like it just you know, so there's these experiences are being created. And when we talk about marketing strategies for it, I think we're still very, very fresh in the sense of like, we're still exploring what those marketing opportunities are and how to do them well. Um, Kind of like when Twitch first came out, you know, how do we mm-hmm. do live stream marketing well? Um, right. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of fumbles, but I think, you know, companies like Fortnite, um, that's kind of a whole range of generations getting in there and stuff um plus you know uh all these ar um things but also facebook and oculus quest being so easy i think we're going to start seeing more uh like experiments in the sense and we're going to see a lot of failures but you know as long as we learn from them i think the strategies are really gonna start uh moving quickly (laughs) what are you kind of is there anything you're sort of hoping to see that's different than maybe how advertising has been i'm not trying to ask yeah. leading questions but i'm just curious about you know what, what your hopes are i guess for whatever happens with the metaverse yeah i mean one of the things that i think we should really keep in mind is things that have gone negative in some things like say second life but also like there's been even instances in VR uh, recently, like I think in there was some metaverse thing that happened recently where a girl was or a woman was like harassed um, Actually, in the game. I think that was a girl, which makes it okay. worse. You know, she was young. Was yeah, because I couldn't remember like what her age was or anything, but mm-hmm. um, she was harassed. Really teen. Oof, 
that's oh. rough. Yeah. yeah. And so we're still companies are missing the mark on things like this because, you know, if you had um, a woman on your team, but not just like one woman, but multiple women on the team um, and multiple like minorities, they probably could have ra raised that red flag of like, hey, we need to have community standards in place to protect people. Um, and, you know, the reason I say multiple women is because, you know, and multiple minorities even is we have internalized misogyny misogyny i can never say that word correctly we have oh, internalized yes. issues yeah it just i can't i'm like why do we have the hardest word to define this um but the thing is is that you know we tend to become blind to things because when you grow up and you're taught that like something is just the way it is because it is the way it is it's the way it's been done for years um you know it it you tend to get stuck in that yourself like you tend to think yourself like if you grow up thinking that you know everything that blue is blue if everybody in your life told you that that was green you grow up thinking it's green and even if one person told you like no that's actually blue you might not believe it and you might just be like well you're weird but that isn't the case and we can look back at like the history of you know we've always had uh lgbt communities our whole lives yeah. but you know, they couldn't be out open about and they still a lot of times can't be in the open about, um, you know, their sexual orientation because generation after generation was taught that that is not OK. And so, you know, we need multiple people from multiple different viewpoints, but also we need allies to bring mm -hmm. people out of that train of thought. Um, so, you know, when we come to, um, you know, these communities and things that are happening in literally creating societies and i think that's something people need to realize is when we're talking about the metaverse and we're talking about say vr chat yeah. you're literally creating a society so how do you protect it? it that's a new yeah. that's a new way of thinking about it for me um not that it's not true but that's a very succinct way of describing how it's necessarily different than better life or than second, second life, life. Yeah. yeah yeah is second life was was a a game. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to exactly imagine the crossover between the game and social media, but I think the word society kind of describes that pretty yeah. well. Because if you think about it, you're creating a society that also has economies. You have mm -hmm. like city planning, almost like you have all these things. And when you look at game studios and their structures, mm -hmm. they literally a lot of studios have uh, like economic people on their teams to design these systems uh you know they have people who have studied sociology uh you know world of warcraft where there was uh like a virus or whatever has been studied with vir you know virologists right. um wow i cannot speak english sometimes but you know they <laughs> exactly uh, you all know what i'm saying but you know these things have been studied by uh different social wow social society professors and stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> sociologists there you go. <laughs> something like that but you know it's it's really important to understand that we are creating new worlds we're creating you know so we need to remember like yeah okay this is the wild wild west you know it's new frontiers that we haven't explored before and think about you know the when you look at you know through history uh unexplored places you know societies coming in 
this is the wild wild west so do we want it to be free reign with no laws where people can just murder people because they're not happy about it like which yeah in gaming sometimes if you know pvp's on and i don't like this person i'm gonna just you know kill them but you know how do we protect those minorities just like we would in real life you know when we come to the metaverse we can't separate that avatar too much because you know remember with things like twitter and stuff it's that whole mask you're wearing a mask you can still have a mask in these worlds but and that has helped a lot of people break out of their shell but it's also really hurt a lot of people the fact that you know on twitter and things people can be harassed like god i i can't even tell you how many times people have told me to self because i did a panel on like being a woman in gaming like and you know what? That person would probably never tell me it to my face. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I know. It's so so much easier to hide online. I, I don't mm-hmm. feel as if I feel as if our tech has evolved much faster than our. I don't know if the if it's societal norms. I don't know if it's ability to understand. But it's like we have tools that are way more powerful than we have the, the language, the communication. To, to handle well um, yeah. the laws, the yeah. laws are way behind, yeah. um, and even things like corporate governance, even self self imposed laws are way behind. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that's anyone's fault because I think the no. tools grew much faster than than we did. Um, yeah, but it's it's going to take a lot of years to catch up to that. Um, and I think with the coming of the metaverse. Yeah, you're right. It's a whole new society now. Yeah. <laughs> We're already struggling with our real world. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what I was just going to like add is like, we have people being harassed in real life and we have people being harassed in VR. Like, so, right. you know, we haven't even finished in real life uh, helping people and like creating safe places for people. So yeah. we're going to be struggling, obviously, in the metaverse. Yeah. Well, on that note, I had about 50 other questions for you that we didn't get to, um, which means that you're just going to have to come back on at some point. That's fine. (laughs) That is fine. So I'm going to do a quick summary of what we were able to cover, and then I'm going to ask you the final question that I ask every guest. Uh, Just to quickly summarize, we started off with a really long chat on influencer marketing that was very fascinating. Um, As someone who has a lot of experience in it, I think your your opinion and your experience are really valuable. Um, Influencer marketing can make or break a brand. Smaller influencers have good networks with each other. And so that can make a really big difference in brand strategy. People, when it comes to you know, consumers interacting with influencer marketing, people want to know more about who and what they're buying from. And influencers kind of represent that friendly word of mouth marketing. So it's important to also with that have influencers be honest. Because if you're kind of paying someone to be dishonest, then they lose their own credibility. And it all relies on this kind of trust and honesty. Um, When it comes to why people trust influencers, you made the great point that since we're getting fed information 24-7, people want to be comfortable and find real information. They kind of need a guidepost or a sign to do that, which is why they look to people that seem trustable. Uh, We also talked about how advertising isn't all bad. It's just changed a lot and it's become a lot to handle, but there's still a lot of positives to advertising and marketing. When it comes to VR and metaverse experiences, things are getting more accessible, not only to consumers, but to brands, which means that we're going to have a new frontier as brands start to move in. We'll see some fumbles in how brands activate in their metaverse experiences and what they what they decide to ultimately do. 
but it's a huge mark that people actually can move in and can start trying and experimenting. Um, companies so far may be missing the mark with some of the developments, especially when it comes to things like community standards. Having those in place really early on it can help a community or an experience or whatever it is, an object, grow in a really healthy and comfortable way. Um, people need help recognizing why it's important to have those standards in place and what they mean, which means that you have to bring diversity onto your team so that you can learn from other folks who might have gone through something. Um, in the metaverse, I think this is just so poignant, but the metaverse means you're actually creating a society with full-on economies, with language, with city planning, with way more. There's a lot of responsibilities that come with that, and it's not necessarily good to have everything be free reign. Um, but we also have a lot to figure out when it comes to that. So for our last little section, I like to ask this of every guest because I think it's a great way of letting other people know wherever they're at, um, the things that you wish you had known when you were in that place. So in my moment of reflection, I want to ask you, what is one thing you would like to tell your younger self about getting into the gaming industry and being successful? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've gotten that response a couple times, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's such a tough thing um, in the sense that, you know, I... There's probably a million things, but it's not just like about getting into gaming. It's just life in general, you know, in the sense of uh, really exploring oneself um, and learning. But, you know, one of the things I probably would have told my younger self is, you know. Uh, well, you know, now I keep on I keep on going to say stuff and then I'm like, you know what? No, because. One of the things that I really uh, tried to do when I was young and I still try to do is really like um, learn everything I can um, learn about different aspects, learn about different uh, cultures, things like that. And, you know, when it comes to my younger self, I probably would have said like to, you know, I probably would have said something around the lines to prevent myself from burning out. You know, because mm -hmm. when you're working in the game industry, it's such a high risk, high reward uh, industry mm -hmm. um, and you can really get burned out easily. And something I always did when I was younger was like I would work every single weekend. I would be traveling like I would be flying out every other week, which is great, but also like it really hurt my health in the long run. And so like something I would tell my younger self is just you know, take a break, take a breather, take more, actually take those vacations, you know, and really reflect on yourself and like, you know, meditate, then, you know, just kind of make inner peace for yourself. So how do you balance those two things? You know, constant learning, but also taking a break. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing that I think I still struggle with today is mm -hmm. when I get on a new project, I like deep dive and I have a really hard time saying no in the sense of, um, you know, if someone asks me for help or uh, someone like, you know, just on the weekend even like needs research help or whatever, I still struggle to this day saying no. Um, I like helping people. And so it's one of those things of like just remembering to take time for yourself and learning how to how to say no and how to like be like you know what even no to yourself um and Ooh, that's a good one yeah exactly and i think that's something like i was so happy last year actually a year ago today 
I like went off into the woods with no cell phone service for like a week and like literally just shut off from everything and like was fishing and stuff and just I needed but it was also because like pretty much my boyfriend forced me out there <laughs> you know because I needed he someone to, to say no to you is what you're saying exactly right <laughs> um and so because like I have a hard time saying no to myself I do not know my limits sometimes. And, you know, I will work through the pain, the sickness, whatever is going on, the stress. I will work through it until, like, literally I crash, which is not great. Um, So learning how to say no to yourself and, like, you know, even if it's learning or research project or whatever, you need to take those moments to, like, play games with your friends or, like, you know, take a moment to not do whatever you're doing. So, like go walk around a park or something you know you need to do those things even if you don't want to (laughs) i like that so keep learning but know when to stop and know when to say no to yourself as well yeah yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for coming on where can people find or follow you or reach out to you if you are comfortable with that yeah no the um probably the best place for me is twitter like i tell everyone reach out to me on twitter like my Instagram, super private, Facebook, super private. Um, and that's as of recently, because I learned to say no to myself and I learned to take myself like offline. <laughs> you. Uh, right. Like, and it, that's such a tough thing. So um, it's uh, Twitter. Best place. It's uh, at OMG laser kitten. So which laser is spelled with a Z. So at OMG L-A-Z-E-R-K-I-T-T-E-N-S. Uh, oh my god laser kittens which oh is my, best oh, name ever yeah <laughs> it really is also twitter is also my preferred preferred form of social media so i get it yeah um for all the listeners out there thank you so much for joining me be sure to leave those five-star ratings and reviews also check out other holiday media podcasts including meta business for all the metaverse finance stories you could ever want and business of esports for interviews with industry leaders i'm on twitter as aforementioned also on instagram and linkedin at Lindsay Poss. You can catch me Wednesday nights on the Business of Esports Live After Show, and you can catch this podcast in your feed every Tuesday. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Woman. Make sure.